You are listening to Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga, a podcast designed to explore yoga philosophy and psychology, taking it beyond the mat and into the world. How can we connect yoga and psychology to everyday life? My name is Jen, I'm your host, world-traveling yoga instructor, blogger, and the founder of Iveya Luna, Mindful Wellbeing, Peaceful Living. Every week on the podcast, we will be exploring different topics through yogic and psychological perspectives. I will occasionally be welcoming brilliant guests and hosting exciting Q&As. So join me as we wander the heart, the mind, and the world on this podcast, wherever you are on your journey. I'll meet you there. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga. My name is Jen. I'm your host, and I am very, very excited to have you guys here today and to be recording this episode because... It's something I've not talked about on the show yet, and it's something that I obviously talk a lot about outside of this show, (laughs) but I've not talked about it on the show, and in fact, I don't talk about it a lot, even on blog posts or anything like that, and I definitely want to start incorporating a lot more of this into the blog, into my work, into the podcast, because I think it's something really, really important. Um, These are really important topics, really important considerations and reflections and you know conversations to have and um and what we'll explain what we'll discover in this episode is really how linked it is to our existence and how important it is to understand this aspect of ourselves in order to understand our lives and our behaviors and our feelings about everything outside of that sphere right and we always talk about movement on the mat and beyond the mat and and I do as well. I mean, it's the essence of this podcast and it's the essence of my work. But I also want to talk about movement in that respect, movement in bed, as it were, and um, <laughs> and movement beyond and how our movements and our considerations and our patterns in bed reflect in our everyday lives. And by that, I mean, yes, the way we sleep alone the way we sleep with our partners and actual physical like the physical act of sex and all that that can tell us about ourselves and the way that we live in life so that's kind of what today is about and yes somewhat of a part two to what we talked about last episode about how linked our physical movements are to our mental movements and our emotional movements um we're picking up from that and really exploring the sexual aspect of our existence so that's what today is going to be about. Before we dive into that, though, I just wanted to say that I hope you're all doing very well. I hope that you had a lovely Valentine's weekend, Valentine's celebration, and that you enjoyed the <laughs> Valentine's Day special that I recorded for you on Friday and that it resonated with you. And I did get some feedback about that episode. And I'm really, really glad that you guys found it helpful. And I'm really glad that a lot of you found it refreshing. Um, these are words that were told to me, not that I'm inventing. <laughs> but, that, but that, you know, that you guys found it refreshing and grounding and, um, yeah, just realistic about the, the feelings that Valentine's Day brings. Uh, brings, yeah. And that come up when we think about Valentine's Day and when we're living through that week and that weekend and all the different pressures that arise and the different ways that we can feel either lonely or overwhelmed whether we're single or not so I hope that was helpful if you've not listened to it it's not too late guys it's still there it doesn't matter what day of the year it is (laughs) go back and listen to that if you want to um so yeah so that was really fun and otherwise you guys I have a little bit of news as well that I want to share with you so I'm going to do that now So the news is that I'm actually going to be launching a membership program, you guys. I have, (laughs) I'm really excited about this because I always wanted to have a membership program and different levels of it for different people and different needs and so that everybody can find something that they want and that resonates with them. So the way it's going to be working is that there's going to be the free community membership which will have different videos, different podcast episodes that are exclusive to the community and, you know, different follow-ups, different freebies, things like that. That would be for the community. There's also going to be some occasional uh, virtual group meetups that people can attend if they want to. And so this is all a work in progress, but that's basically the goal with that. And then there's going to be the paid membership for yogis and there's a paid membership for yoga teachers where we're going to talk more about the business of being a yoga instructor 
And then the other one will be for, you know, different resources for people who want to constantly have, you know, a dose of <laughs> of some things that I offer. And also the monthly fee will be something that you can put toward any services one-on-one with me. So anyway, I'm going to be announcing this more in dates to come. But that's basically what's working out right now is a membership program. And I'm very, very excited about that. And obviously still building the online course for you guys. I'm launching this year a really, really big course and I'm very excited about it. So there's that, there's that. And otherwise, the podcast, I'm going to have some really exciting guests on the show. Um, I'm actually going to have a copywriter on the show soon. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the business side of yoga as well. Uh, all because, yes, it's everything yoga everywhere yoga. So we can talk about all things yoga. But also because I think the business aspect of yoga needs to be explored a little bit more. And I, I haven't done it much because... I don't know, I was focused more on the mental health side of things and, you know, but but I, I really enjoy the different ways of being mindful. I think even with, you know, zero waste living and even being mindful when you travel and all that stuff has been really well received on the show. And I thought that talking about business would be good as well. I mean, I've done some Q&As and, uh, and I just feel like over time it's important to have a couple segments where we talk about mindful marketing and mindful business running and all of those things. So I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that as well. And I hope that you guys are going to enjoy that. Because even if you're not a yoga instructor, these business tips will help you in general, right? If you're an entrepreneur um, or if you have a yoga business or a well-being business, then these things will help you, you know? And that's the goal with that. So we're going to have some really great people on the show for business and other. And yeah, I'm just really excited. And it's going to be a year soon since the the show was born. (laughs) And uh, I'm just really excited to make it just keep going and keep making the show what it is. And obviously, it wouldn't be what it is without you guys as well. So I just really wanted to thank everybody who has been supportive and who shows up to listen to me every week. (laughs) And all of you newbies and all of you OGs, all of you. I'm really grateful. So and I appreciate you all. So thank you very much. Um. So yeah, that's everything for for announcement on the announcement side today. Um, yeah, just some really fun things in the works, and I'm just very excited, and I wanted to share with you. Um, I also got some messages of people telling me that I should pod uh, that I should air more than one episode a week, and I love that idea. It sounds like a very fun idea. I would love to, but I don't want to commit to something like that right now, just because of my time constraints and just the different projects I'm working on. But I'm going to think about it. I will let you know. Maybe we can have twice a week or maybe we can do it twice a week, you know, once or twice a month. I, I I don't know. I'll think about it. But I really appreciate you guys wanting to touch base more often. Maybe I can do like mini segments almost every day as well, right? Like little things just to check in. I mean, I'm thinking about all the different things. So, yeah, if you guys have any ideas about that, reach out, give me a shout out, let me know. And we can talk about it because, yeah, sure. If we, if you know, if we want more content, I can try to deliver more content. That would be great. All right, so without further ado, let's dive in to today's episode. Today's episode is talking about our sexuality and our preferences and choices and patterns in bed and how they reflect in our lives outside of bed. (laughs) So normally it's mindful movement and mental health and mindful movement on the mat, beyond the mat and how we can take yoga beyond the mat and into the world, right? That's the that's the main premise. Well, now the mat becomes the bed and we still see how we can take that practice and those activities and those habits and those considerations beyond the bed. <laughs> beyond the bed and into the world. So that <laughs> that should be maybe a new podcast, you know, beyond the bed and into the world. Um yeah, so that, that should be fun. That's for another time, perhaps. But yeah, so we're talking about that today, you guys, because I think that there is still some kind of taboo around talking about sex. And, you know, I was actually watching Sex in the City recently, which is one of my favorite shows and has been for like 10 years, no, more than that. And it I hadn't watched it in a while. And actually watching it again, I was like, oh, my God, like, it's so true, right? Like, they talked about all these things and it was so great, right? It was exactly what the world needed. And <laughs> and it made me think of how, you know, we, we should really pay attention to how we function sexually. And not necessarily with other people, but with ourselves as well and what that tells us 
about our existence. And I came to the conclusion, you guys, that this is what's true. Your sex life or your sexuality is like the Q&A of your existence. Yes, that's right. Your sexuality is the Q&A of your, of your life. And the reason for this is because it tells you everything. Like, why do I like this? Why don't I like that? Um, you know, what do I like? Um, how do I like it? You know, all these conversations that you have with yourself or all these discoveries that you make in time as you discover your preferences and all that through life. We do the same thing outside of bed, right? What foods do I like? What what hobbies are my favorite? Um, what do I like to do in a day? What job do I want? Like, what what are my interests? What do I want to study at school? What kind of friends do I want to surround myself with? You know, how, how we do all of those things, how we set boundaries, how we understand ourselves and our patterns. Those are all conversations that we have with ourselves. And when you're mindful about your existence, these are conversations that you have. And these are things that you tap into and that you develop and that you that you foster right you foster this relationship with yourself and we always talk about connecting to ourselves and being one with ourselves and finding out who we are and getting to know ourselves but we don't always talk about it on a sexual level you know and I mean I know that there are people who do and I but it's just not as prevalent right and perhaps it's because it's a private thing and yes of course it is a private thing but it's no more private than than the conversations that you have with yourself about other things and you know nobody knows the ins and outs of the conversations that you have with yourself nobody knows the ins and outs of your pains or your griefs or your sorrows or the things that you've gone through or the things that you're going through unless you tell them and with sexuality obviously nobody knows the ins and outs of those dialogues either but and maybe we're going to be less prone to share those things fine sure but some people are perfectly you know happy to share those things in the same way that you and I probably share other stories that we, we know that we think it's a lot easier to talk about certain things, but they might find talking about sex that easy, right? Uh, or maybe it's not that easy for them, but they want to be able to talk about it. Uh, whatever the case may be, I think it should be spoken about, and I'm going to make this episode about that. And it's difficult, it was difficult when I was thinking of how to structure this episode so that it doesn't become this weird, like, erotica episode, <laughs> or like this weird, you know, um, this just this weird episode, but... I think what I want to really touch on is the choices that we make, like having a healthy sexuality or a healthy lifestyle, a healthy sex life is knowing to, is knowing what your preferences are. It's knowing how to state these preferences. It's knowing when and how to say yes or no. It's knowing what we want, why we want it. It's knowing that, it's knowing to feel pleasure it's 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 letting ourselves feel pleasure it's wanting to feel pleasure it's wanting to uh, have an intimate relationship with ourselves and relationships intimate relationships with other people or perhaps another person or maybe not anyone right now um whatever those choices are any boundaries any decision making it's to be able to decide your sexual existence without feeling any fear or anxiety or shame and if you think about it, we struggle with those things daily, right? Setting boundaries are things that is, is something that a lot of people struggle with. And depending on the situation, is it setting boundaries with your partner? Is it setting, setting boundaries with your family? Is it setting boundaries at work, with your business, with friends, with whomever, whoever it might be, right? Setting boundaries is something essential, right? It, it will dictate the level of harmony in your life yeah because boundaries are there to like if boundaries are not put in place it's absolute chaos right you can't have an abundant sustainable ecosystem without some boundaries without some kind of ground rules right like with any ecosystem take any ecosystem there are a set of like there are boundaries in place like they might not be called boundaries in those situations but it's kind of guidelines or the way that things work. And when you disrupt an ecosystem, it's because something is coming to disturb the peace and to disturb the way that things naturally flow. And then you have to set boundaries again to make sure that things remain sustainable and that abundance is the goal. 
Well, the same thing applies to your life, right? If everything's going well right now and you're like, yeah, I'm in a good place right now. Everything's rolling smoothly and you feel like a sense of harmony in your life. And suddenly there's like this massive drama that happens that disrupts the peace. And suddenly your harmony is kind of like off a little bit, right? And then, you know, you have to reset some boundaries. Like what if, you know, for example, it's a family member and suddenly there's like this massive family drama and you feel sucked into it and then it disrupts your peace and then you have to find a way to get that peace back and to restate yourself and your boundaries to make sure that that doesn't happen again, right? It's like with relationships, sometimes people just go too far. And we need to set some boundaries to be like, listen, it's not that I don't want to be friends with you anymore. It's not that I don't want this relationship anymore. But there have to be some changes. We need to set some boundaries here. And then with the boundaries, you you get back into your flow, right? Like you you finally, you, you, you can find that harmony again. That's the goal, right? And of course, it's natural to have things disrupt the harmony or disrupt all these different challenges that we go through in life that's we're supposed to go through those things but the goal is to tap into those things connect with the different things that happen discomforts pains dramas traumas the whole thing and really do the healing process and get out of it stronger and with a different sense of peace and balance and harmony in your life right and that's the challenge same thing on the mat right you're moving through poses and your poses are getting harder and more challenging, either depending on the day or depending on the practice that you're doing or depending, you know, whatever it might be, your different circumstances, whatever they are. And the goal is to be able to be mindful and to keep that steady breath and to be connecting to breath through the different movements, right? And it's the same thing. It's not that we're not going to get tired. It's not that things are not going to be difficult on the mat. It's not that it's always going to be easy. And it's always going to be this beautiful, breezy video moment. No, the goal is that, yeah, it is challenge. It is discipline. It is practice. But that's the beauty. That's the work. That's the harmony. So harmony is not that things are just left untouched and left, you know, no, they're they're challenged so that they can be stronger, right? You have to use those tools that you have that made you overcome so many things. You have to keep using them. Otherwise, you kind of forget, right? So... You know, if you if you never have to go through every anything, let's say, you're not using your your adapt your adaptation capacities. You're not using the tools that you've learned to heal or to calm your anxiety or to deal with conflict or to foster forgiveness or to be like practice love and kindness, right? Like if you're never having to be put to those tests or you know be challenged in any way, you're never going to learn. Um, so it's nice to think that, you know, we reach a level of harmony where like nothing happens to us anymore if we're mindful or if we're yogic, but that's not how it happens. We'll face it the same challenges, right? And the point is to use our tools and to get better at using our tools every time. And then the situations are going to be sometimes less difficult, sometimes even more difficult. And we keep working through it with the tools that we have and the new ones that we're going to develop and so on and so forth. So when you understand the way it happens on a mental and emotional level, then you understand how it happens on a physical level and how all of those things are tied into each other, right? A physical practice has an effect on our mind and on our emotions, right? Of course, just like our emotions and our thoughts have an effect on our physical practices on the mat, right? You can't deny that. It's a it's a mental thing, right? Athletes have to be mindful. You know, uh, when, you, when you speak to athletes or when you or if you ever listen to athlete interviews, like they all have a level of mindfulness practices, yeah? Um, they might not be the what we would consider yogic or whatever, or what some people might consider yogic, but they have mindfulness practices. And that's mindfulness. It is, it, it's mindfulness. It doesn't have to be on the mat and it doesn't have to be yoga, right? But they have their practices and that's what's important. And so it goes to show how important the mental is in something physical, and we all know this, right? We all know that it, it takes, you know, a level of focus and discipline and this and that and it's mind over matter and this and that. But do we really understand what that means? It's a, it, it, That is the indication of how tied things are. Physical, mental and emotional. So, so, so tied. So linked. The strong correlation between the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you think, the way that you feel and how you're going to manifest that into action. It's, it is the, it is the narrative of your life, 
right? It starts with thoughts and then emotions and right because you start with circumstances and then how you deal with the circumstances is going to be your your words, right? It, it's going to be the dialogue that you have with yourself. And then the words that you use are going to give birth to your thoughts. And then your thoughts are going to give birth to your emotions. That's why it's important to change the dialogue that you have with yourself. It's important to nip everything in the bud and realize, okay, but how is my dialogue affecting the way that I'm feeling, right? You attach meaning to something because you've attached a word to it. And that word has a specific meaning. So if you look at your circumstances and you use a certain word, well, your thoughts are going to be like, right, okay, well, now I've seen that as sadness. And then you're going to feel sad. Because that's what you're at, you, that's the link that you're making. But what if you looked at a circumstance and instead you were more of a neutral observer? Or you looked at it with a different word. And a word maybe that you've not used yet. Or that is new to you. Or maybe a word that you know, but that is not what you normally would have used. For example, instead of saying, oh, that's terrifying or that's awful. How about trying to say, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Now what? Then you move on to the next stage. Rather than immediately brushing someone off or something off and just saying, no, that's terrifying. That's awful. Like, it's such bad vibes. I get it. I'm getting so depressed. I'm getting so anxious. Absolutely not. That's not a thing for me. And then all that stuff. And then down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And then your, your feelings match it. Because that's how it works. What if instead something happens and you say, oh, that's interesting. Suddenly, your tone is even different, right? No one's going to go like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, <laughs> right? Like, nobody would say that. It's like, oh, that's awful. But interesting, you open up your mind suddenly, right? Like, your head tilts. You might you might raise your eyebrows a little bit. You know, it, you're not flippant anymore. You're, you're allowing something to come in when you say, oh, that's interesting. It doesn't mean that you have to take anything on. It doesn't mean you have to go through with anything. It, you know, you can make that assessment later, but at least your initial dialogue is one that's more neutral and open to considering different things, yeah? So you start with that and you think, ooh, interesting. And then how does that affect your mental state? Ooh, open-minded, fantastic. And then how does that affect your emotional state? Oh, I'm open-minded. There are different options here. Different things can happen. Oh, okay. Interesting. And now, how does that make me feel? Oh, like maybe I have control over what happens. Like maybe I have more of a say than I thought I did. Oh, hey, this is exciting. All these new possibilities. Huh. Cool. That's interesting. And like, and it's so much more open. Like it would really depend on what the situation is. But you can already see that you're allowing yourself this openness and as soon as you allow yourself an openness rather than blocking something off straight away because you instinctively think it has to be a negative thing or you want it to be a negative thing, just by saying, oh, that's interesting, you're, like we said, you're starting with a different dialogue. Then your thoughts are more open, so you're more open-minded. Then the effect that that has on your emotions is that you feel more at ease emotionally. You're not feeling this anxiety or this anguish anymore where you need to like protect yourself or where you need to, I don't know, get into fight or flight mode, right? And so you're more open emotionally as well. And then suddenly you realize the different possibilities that there are and you actually realize that you have control over this. This is not fight or flight. This is not survival. This is not... Uh, attack or defense it's something that's interesting and that you're going to consider and you're going to explore and the decision is yours and you have time to make that decision and that already bring puts the mind at ease right because if we see it as a threat and we just brush it off because we think it's a threat well that that's it after that right that's pretty much the end of that but if as soon as we open up our minds a little bit oh it's not danger it's just something so you're being a neutral observer and that can already help your dialogue and help your thoughts and your emotions. And then you can feel, I don't know, whatever it might be, you might feel better that day then instead of, you know, being afraid of what was going to happen that day or being afraid of this, this appointment you have with a new client or this meeting you have with a new friend or this new thing you have at work or this certain family gathering that you're nervous about. 
It's like, but nothing happens to you, right? It can happen and you just are a neutral observer and then you just act accordingly. Yeah, right. So again, the key here is understanding the dialogue that we have and the way this ties into also the physical activity. I'm getting to the sex part. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> but like now we've talked about the emotional mental thing and the same thing applies to physical activity. Say you're trying to get out for a run and then you have this whole dialogue with yourself like oh but I'm tired I don't feel like it it's cold or it's hot or I have to go and do this and I'm going to be tired and it's going to be so long and you're starting this dialogue with yourself based on past runs that you've gone on or the fact that you have not done it yet which makes you feel like crap because you've not gone running yet and you said that you were going to start running on January 1st and you've not gone so that depresses you because you think of oh my gosh it's like mid-February and I'm not and I haven't done it so you're going to start beating yourself up about that or you think of all the long runs that you have and you're like oh but they're so long and I get so tired and my feet hurt and and then you think of all those things suddenly you've closed your thoughts you've closed your mind yeah Everything is negative and everything is depressing. And then obviously anything that feels like that is going to make you shut down because you're going to want to avoid it. And then because you can't actually avoid anything in life, like things just catch up with you, you can temporarily avoid it, but then you're going to feel even more crummy because you've not done the thing again. And you've set it up for yourself so that it's like, I either do the thing or I don't do the thing. And when I do the thing, I feel good. And when I don't do the thing, I feel bad. And so... If you don't do the thing because you psyched yourself out, then you feel like crap. And the cycle continues. Instead, what can happen perhaps is when you wake up in the morning, instead of making it so, so black and white and so negative, like it's an attack. When it's so black and white like that, even what you think is good, for example, going for a run, even that is damaging. Because if one is good and the other one is bad, then like one cannot exist without the other so if you go for a run and then you're like oh I'm so happy I went for a run now I'm not bad I did the good thing then when you don't for whatever reason you'll feel bad when you shouldn't because it's not about the run it's not about the the resolution or the new year's resolution or whatever it is it's about the choices that you want to make for yourself. And so anything that you look at in such a polar way or in such a simple black and white way will be damaging in the end and should not be used as more of, as more than motivation. As soon as it's not motivating anymore, it's damaging to you. So instead what it should be is I want to feel good. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to feel good. And when you program yourself to thinking that going out to run will make you feel good, then you're going to want to run and feel good. And when you don't, because you don't have time or that particular day you didn't go or whatever it is, you're not going to feel bad. You're just going to be like, oh, I didn't run. That's a shame. I actually quite like my runs now. You're not going to feel like, oh my God, I did the bad thing now because I didn't go running. No, you're just going to think, oh, it's okay. Today I didn't, but I have a healthy lifestyle because I'm choosing to be healthy and to go for my runs, but today I didn't go. Right? And it's a bigger picture thing rather than an individual thing where you either go or you don't go. Yeah? So that's another way where with physical activity or even getting your on the mat, I'm saying running, but the same thing applies to doing your yoga practice, right? Oh, but it hurts and I'm not flexible and or like I do the practices and it doesn't look like when the other people do it or it doesn't feel like it used to or whatever it is, all the excuses like, oh, I'm in pain or I don't have time or... I'm feeling way too busy to just sit there on the mat doing calm things. I'm going to get antsy. And then if I do really intense things, like my mind's just going to be all over the place. Whatever it is, the excuses that we have, whatever they are, our excuses to not get on the mat or to not do the thing. Um, If you want to make the time, you can make the time. And again, if you don't make the time or you can't make the time, it's not going to be, oh, I practiced or I didn't practice. It's not going to be a polar consideration or a polar manifestation it's going to be like a big picture I have a healthy lifestyle I like to practice yoga I find I really benefit from yoga that's why I've put yoga in my life that's why I practice yoga but today I have I didn't practice and that's okay because yoga is still in my life and I'm still a yogi and I still have my my yoga practices just today I didn't do it shame though because I really quite like it and I miss it when I don't do it but today I just didn't do it and it's more of that kind of dialogue 
right? Rather than this sense of, did I do it? Yes or no? And then obviously when it's no, we feel like crap. Especially that as humans, we like to accomplish things. We like to tick things off our to-do list. We like to feel a sense of accomplishment after we do something. Um, And that's good when it motivates you, like having a to-do list and doing as much of it as you can. Um, or making it simpler with a few, with like less tasks, but then you complete them properly, and then that motivates you. It's the same thing with your workouts. If it's not realistic to you, or if it's adding more pressure than motivation to your life, then perhaps you have to find a different system or a different way of incorporating this into your life so that it's motivating and not intimidating. Yeah. And now, as we bring it down to bring it down to sex. And our sec- it felt really weird to just say that like that. But as we bring it down to those things, now we hear a lot of people, like, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say to me, well, I just don't have time to have sex with my, with my husband. I don't have time. Uh, it's time consuming. I'm tired at the end of the day. Or I just don't know anymore. Like, I don't really feel like it anymore. Um, <clears throat> I don't... Like, I don't feel turned on. And then, you know, you ask them, well, what about you? Like, do you masturbate? Do you... No, like, I I don't have time. I find it kind of annoying or I find it kind of depressing because I'm just there and then it, like, it's just me and then it finishes and then it's like, okay. (laughs) And, like, I've heard those things a lot as well. And and it's it's kind of like, okay, sure. So I'm I'm not going to get into the whole relationship thing in this episode and and intimacy with your partner and all that. I mean, I'll I'll touch on it a bit. Um but I'm not going to get into that cuz that's an entirely different episode. But say it's not a question of the fact that you're not in love with your partner anymore and say it's not um it's not that you're in a you know in a healthy relationship or in an abusive relationship or you know that you don't like you're just not attracted to each other anymore, like like putting all of that aside, say that you're in a loving relationship, you guys are in a really good place, you guys get on, um, you hang out together, you go on dates, like it, it, let's say it, you're, you're in a good place in your relationship, right? Like that's what we're going to consider for this. Um, you can be in a really great place in your relationship and not be having sex. Um, so again, the thing here is not are you having sex or not? It's not about that. And then, oh, well, if you're not having sex, then you must be in a bad relationship. No, because just like the examples we looked at before, it's a big picture thing. If you're doing things that make your relationship healthy and that make your relationship strong and loving, then the days that you don't have sex or the days that are not super romantic or the days that you don't have date night, it doesn't matter, right? They don't matter. So take, for example, date night. Are you going to have date night every night? Probably not, right? But you does that mean that when you don't have date night, you don't have a strong relationship? No. But you choose to have date night once a week, twice a week, once a month, twice a month, whatever it might be, yeah? You have an agreement, you have something that you do together to, to touch base and to be there together as a couple and not just as two people who live together, but to be there as a couple who've decided to share their lives in order to share your life. You can't just share a space or share a bed or share a bathroom. You have to share a life. So conversations have to be shared. And it's not just tasks like groceries or paying bills or, you know, that's all the on paper stuff. But we're talking sharing a life, sharing your feelings, your thoughts, you know, you're talking about your day, your likes or dislikes, maybe having a hobby in common, although that would be like an on paper thing, but also not because you're choosing to do this pleasurable activity together, right? It's not paying bills or, you know, if you work together, then working together or cleaning the house or whatever. It's a hobby. You know, you guys enjoy going hiking together, for example. That's something that you're choosing. This is something that fills your bucket up as individuals and as a couple, right? For example, date night as well. That's something that fills you guys up, fills your cup as an individual and the cup of your relationship. And of course, there should be three different cups, one for your partner, one for you and one for your relationship. So, so long as you're always filling those cups, you're good to go. And then for sex, same thing. Okay, well, we don't have sex that often. Okay, it's not about the fact that you don't have sex. It's more like, the, 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 like why? <laughs> like what, what, what is sex in your relationship? And why do you feel like you're not having any more of it? And when you used to have it more, 
Why was that? And and all of these questions, you need to ask yourself, why? Like, what does sex mean to you? What does sex mean to your relationship? And and then you have to ask yourself as well, like, do you have intimacy with yourself? Do you tap into that part of yourself, into the intimacy with you? And then you have to wonder, like, is there something that you're afraid to tap into right now? And this is going to sound silly, I swear, but this aversion that we have or this, um, maybe aversion is not the right word, but the way that we tend to stop having intimate relationships with ourselves and intimate relationships with our partners is the same way we tend to struggle with being in silence with ourselves and in stillness. And I genuinely believe that there is a very significant correlation between our ability to remain still in silence with ourselves and our ability to remain uh, to have an intimate relationship with ourselves. I really believe that. I believe that it's so intimate to sit there in stillness with your thoughts and your feelings and your existence. I think it's a very intimate experience and it's a very powerful experience and it can bring up so much emotion and it can be very overwhelming but of course the reward is a glorious one and does that not sound the same as if I were to describe what it's like to have an intimate relationship with yourself it can bring up a lot of emotion yeah it can bring up it can be difficult it can be trying but the reward is a glorious one right so do you see how the two are so linked why because of the intimacy factor that choice that you are making to not let yourself be distracted to not let yourself say you're too busy to not let anything get in the way of you and you when you are able to do that that's where you will connect that's where you will be intimate with yourself so the same way I encourage people to meditate and by that, I don't necessarily mean, you know, sit there thinking of nothing and sitting down for an hour. No, but sometimes just tap in, like check in with yourself 10, 15 minutes a day. You know, in stillness, sit there with your thoughts and your emotions, observe them. You don't have to do anything more than that. Just sit there and observe. That alone, you acknowledging yourself like that, you looking at yourself and at your existence, that is meditation and that is an intimate act. The same way I encourage people to do that is the same way I encourage people to masturbate. And I know, like, I know that that sounds really weird. And as I said it, I got a little bit like, did I just say that live? But it's true. I definitely think that it's, it's, yeah, it's the same. And also the same way you find your preferences as you get older, you start to know the different, your different likes and dislikes, your different personality type, your different uh, passions, your different interests and all of that stuff is the same way you do it in bed, isn't it? Right? Like how many people have said to me, and I agree and I say the same thing. The, we, we know how to be pleased or pleasured because we know how to do it to ourselves. Like we know what we're looking for. And yes, different partners may be taught us different things. And we've been like, oh, wow, that that's great. Absolutely. Yes, we can't teach ourselves everything. That's why we go through things. That's why we have experiences. That's why we meet people. Absolutely. But it's also like this tapping in with ourselves where we're like, yes, that was pleasurable. Let's do that again. Or that was not so great. Let me not do that again. And of course, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to to do that mentally and emotionally. Like with relationships, we tend to not always see the subtleties and to see that things might not be healthy, and we might get into the same kind of patterns. Whereas physically, if something hurts, we won't do it again, right? Um, but but to have that same filter, like oh, that was pleasurable, great, I'm going to do more of that, or that was not pleasurable at all, I'm not going to do that again. And it's the same with our relationships. Like, oh, that's a very unhealthy dynamic. I've been there before. I'm not going to go there again, right? That same thing. But we know this because we 
take the time to get to know ourselves, right? And that's that's how you get to know yourself is by checking in. And then that's how you're able to set boundaries. It's because you know you. You know yourself. You know what you're what you can give, you know what you want to give, you know what you deserve in return in your relationships, and that's how you're able to set your boundaries. And the same thing applies to your sexuality. I mean, if you're not comfortable with something, you should be able to say that you're not comfortable with something without feeling ashamed. And you shouldn't feel shame with your other boundaries in the work in the workplace or with your family or with your friends. It's the same thing. Knowing where you stand and what you're willing to offer and what you're willing to receive and and saying that without shame or fear or anxiety that's healthy boundary setting and that's healthy sexuality and you can tell so much about yourself by the sex by your sexual behavior you know and your sexual um like your sex life that's why i say that sexuality or your sex life is the q and a to to your existence is because it really is you know and so many people <laughs> I I even had like I've had conversations with friends where they tell me that when they're emotionally like when they're going through something emotional and they're feeling kind of constipated emotionally that they feel co- constipated sexually as well like they have trouble reaching orgasm or they have trouble finding a lot of pleasure in what they do um like it's just not the same there's not that same rush that same buzz and it's the same thing in the emotionally, right? They're not able to feel what they need to feel. And so they're shutting off everything. And the thing with emotions is you can't just say, oh, I only want to feel the good things now or I'm only going to touch this now. It's like, no, usually when you when you when there's something hurting you, it, it starts to invade the rest of your your emotions. Right. And you can try all you want to compartmentalize and you can try to say, OK, well, no, I'm only going to focus on the good things now. But usually the, when you're in pain, it's hard to just be feeling happy emotions. Like there will be that dark cloud of sadness or of grief or whatever that you're going through that will be taking over eventually. The more you let it stay in there, the more it's going to evolve and grow and 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 invade even the positive aspects of your life. And And then when you try to poke at it or when you try to see what's up and you try to heal, it's hard to take, you have to take it in doses, but it's hard. Because you can't just say, oh, I'm going to look at just that part and not the whole thing. No, like it usually all comes rushing out, doesn't it? Right. As soon as you let yourself feel those negative emotions or that pain or that trauma, then it all comes out. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with the happiness. We're going to try to say, OK, I'm just going to feel a little bit happy now. I'm just I, I can ignore my pain. I just I'm just going to feel a little bit happy now. It all comes rushing out. So what do we do to protect ourselves from that? We make ourselves feel nothing instead. People avoid their emotions at all costs and they end up feeling nothing. So you think you're protecting yourself, but actually you're protecting yourself from harm, but you're causing more harm because you're not even allowing happiness to get into your life and to be part of your existence. So that's why it's important to feel our feelings and to let it all out and to handle it all and to do the healing. Because when you feel, you can feel. (laughs) Sounds silly, right? Sounds simple, but it's true. You can't feel unless you can feel. So if you're not feeling anything because you're afraid to feel your emotions because there's something that is is going to hurt you or something that's hurting you, well, then naturally you cannot feel any other things that will happen or that are happening, right? You're missing out on things because you're shutting off your feelings because it's not as simple as, oh, that's good feelings and that's bad feelings, right? Like that's good, that's bad. It's so much more complicated than that. So when you shut one off or when you think you're shutting just one off, you're actually just shutting yourself off entirely. And over time, it'll become more and more incapacitating and more and more difficult to open up again. And that's the unfortunate truth, you guys. Like when you see someone who's been through heartbreak or been through something and then they become really bitter, you know, like we all know those people where, you know, someone says, my God, what happened to that person to make them like that? And everyone's like, oh, well, apparently, you know, it was a bad breakup or, oh, apparently, you know, it was this, this, that. Because the person is in so much pain that they've just shut off entirely. Yeah? But then you have some people who go through something painful or traumatic and they're like the loveliest people and you're like, wow, you went through that? Because we've equated grief or pain or trauma 
with just being miserable after and that's it you know that's it they're, they're messed up they're they're fucked right but it doesn't have to be like that you can heal and and be happier than you've ever been and that's the goal really so when we shut off our feelings for whatever reason we're shutting off all the potential of receiving and feeling any more of anything after that and so sexually it's like that as well like we're so afraid to feel that we we don't even get intimate with ourselves or with our partners because we're afraid to be in an intimate setting of any kind and usually that's because something is bothering us something is blocked yeah and when we're blocked like that then we can't feel other pleasures so for example again you know we're taking sex for for a moment if if we're avoiding sex because we're afraid to feel anything or we're afraid to slow down for a moment or we're afraid to tap into any intimate setting with ourselves or our partners then we're missing out on all the pleasures that sex brings and that's like quite an obvious example because it's something that we can really relate to it's a bit more tangible right it's like physical pleasure but it's the same thing with emotional pleasure right it's it's like saying well i'm going to shut myself off now which also means that it's going to dim any joys that come in my in, that come into my life and that one you know hits us less hard when we think about it because we don't know and we can't necessarily put our fingers on what kind of joys will come so it's easier for us to just avoid that and then avoid our feelings but when we think of sex it's like yeah but you're turning yourself off to all those pleasures as well and that's a little bit more tangible for you to maybe identify with. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, no shit, I'd be losing that. right? But it's the same thing with any emotional um, pleasure as well. And, you know, another thing that I genuinely believe in that, it, you know, this, this, the, the release that you get from like the, the endorphins, first of all, uh, after orgasm and that pleasure that you feel that's just all-encompassing and that's not just physical but actually mental and emotional as well. I mean, that's that's a fact. And I genuinely believe as well that there's such a loosening up of, of tight spots physically and sort of energetically when we, when we have sex um, that is linked as well to feeling happier and to feeling more at ease and more harmony inside our personal ecosystems right and it's kind of like having a really good stretching session like yes it's endorphins and yes it's all the things on the physical level and on the scientific level but there's also this beautiful sense of opening up tight spaces and stretching is like the physical manifestation of meditation <laughs> because meditation or yoga is to create space right it's to to kind of calm the mind's fluctuations it's to create space between thoughts and stretching is just that you're creating space in your muscles and in your body and that space allows you to feel more free and more loose and and more calm stretching is amazing and then you'll feel more at ease and some pains will go away tightness will go away and you'll feel happier and better and and there are people who cry in certain positions like in certain stretches in yoga it just like opens up this side of them that suddenly they just feel especially hip opening exercises people will feel kind of weepy sometimes in like pigeon pose or you know and it opens up this part of them that is that you wouldn't expect you'd think like why is this person crying right now they're just stretching and it's like yeah because it's more than just this physical thing and it's more than just endorphins. It's like where we store so much of our stress is in the lower body, right? The fetal position is literally designed to protect those areas. And so they're tight all the time because of the way that we sleep and the way that we walk all the time and the way that we sit all the time and the way that we're probably very anxious. So there's a lot of retaining of stress in the groin and hips. And, and as soon as we loosen that up a bit and we create space calmly in a safe space suddenly we are allowed to feel all these emotions people are crying people are opening up people are feeling a sense of relief or a sense of joy and like happy tears even and all those things and just because they stretched their hips properly or just because you take the time to be still with themselves and create space physically which subsequently created space mentally 
Yeah. That's why yoga is the most beautiful thing because it's this mind body experience where both are feeding off each other and then there's just it's this this all encompassing sense of relief and and of space and of harmony, right? And the same thing goes for sex, okay? Or for masturbation or any any of those f- intimate those physical intimate experiences, they create space, they do. They they create contact and connection in intimate times and when you have those moments when you nurture those energies when you let everything flow and and awaken you inevitably are awakening different aspects of yourself you're you're awakening your entire existence and that is at the source it's at the root of everything you know um Again, I don't want to go on another tangent now about chakras and all of that stuff. But even aside from chakras and aside from from um, from energy centers and all of that stuff, we're thinking on a physical level and on an emotional level even, all the benefits that there are to you know a healthy sex life and an active sex life and intimacy with yourself more than anything. I'm not even talking about partners necessarily, although that is something in and of itself... Uh, and that's different, you know, if you have a partner or partners, then that's a separate thing. But even just having that intimacy with yourself, right? Like even just mindfully tapping in to your relationship with you is important. Like having alone time may consist of going shopping or going out of town or going to the library or to a bookstore or, sh- you know, going to the restaurant to have dinner with yourself. Like I do that regularly. You know, I like to hang out with myself. I like to nurture my relationship with me. And I encourage everyone that I know and clients, friends, everybody to foster their relationships with themselves on every level because you're tapping into a primal you, a pure you and you is not just you on the mat meditating. You is you out for dinner, you is you when you go shopping, you is you when you're showering, when you're in bed, when you're, you know, you're you're so many things. You're so, so, so many things and there's there's absolutely no reason why you should not have access to all those sides of yourself and not just have access but really nurture a healthy balanced relationship based on respect and love with yourself physically mentally emotionally spiritually having all the aspects of your relationship with yourself be nurtured taken care of mindfully tended to (laughs) right these are all really really important things and I definitely think there's still a taboo around sexuality I definitely think that you know it's always this weird thing of like oh how many partners have you had or or you know your your preferences are weird or oh you talk about that a lot like that's that's really crude or inappropriate or trashy and it's like this weird thing all the time and it's like really I'm talking about an aspect of my existence and it's trashy why because it's intimate or so it's not intimate to talk about grief it's not intimate to talk about feelings but it's intimate to talk about you know what I mean like it's some people find it uncomfortable to have people talk about their feelings in front of them and some people find it uncomfortable to have people talk about their sex lives in front of them. And that's okay. If somebody doesn't want to listen or doesn't want to hear about it, you don't like impose it on them. Like, no, listen to my masturbation story. <laughs> like you don't, I mean, that's not what I'm implying either. But it's just, why is there such a difference with it? Why? Because it's physical. Okay. But like, if it was really that unacceptable, then there wouldn't be any sex talk. And there wouldn't be any sex shows and sex in the city would not be a thing and so many shows would not be a thing. It's important to talk about these things. And again, yes, there's a level of privacy and there are things that, you know, we don't share with everybody. And absolutely, again, I'm not saying to just go run outside and talk about your sex life. But again, there also should not be shame in in discussing it or in talking about it. You know, if someone does not want to hear about certain aspects of your life that's okay like they might not want to hear about your other about other aspects of your life as well and that's fine too then you know you make those assessments with each relationship that you have but like you should not be ashamed to express yourself about your sexuality you absolutely have nothing to be ashamed of 
right? Like if I'm having this podcast right now talking about this, what's someone going to say? Oh, that's so inappropriate. That's so trashy. Why? If you don't like it, don't listen. Why? How am I being trashy? But that's the kind of stigma around sexuality is and about talking about it and all that. And even with, you know, when girls talk about it, it's like, oh my God, shouldn't she be more like reserved? Again, why? You know, and I and I heard these talks so much growing up and it was just like, oh, how many partners have you had or how, how long did you wait before you slept with him? And it's like, yeah, but it's my decision and nothing should be done in vain. Every exchange of energy or every time you're spending your energy on something or someone or you're exchanging energy, like none of that should be done in vain. Equally, you should acknowledge that this person is also having this energy exchange with you. And now they might not see it that way, and that's fine. But you need to know what your relationship with sex is and what with that with that person is. You don't have to tell them. Like it's again, it's if if you're having like a one night stand or if it's like a um, a friends with benefits situation, you don't need to be saying this is an exchange of energy. I really appreciate you exchanging your energy with me. Like I'm not saying that, <laughs> but you can maybe inside just re- recognize that this person and you are having an exchange of energy. And you make your decisions accordingly. Like, is this the kind of exchange of energy you want to have? But again, this is the exact same kind of conversation that you should have with any type of relationship. If you're in an unpleasant relationship, is that the kind of relationship you want to have? Or are these the kinds of conversations that you want to have? Right? For example, if I keep having a relationship with someone who's rude or mean or hurtful, then I'm exchanging energies with this person and I'm having conversations with this person and I'm letting this person be hurtful to me. How is that any better than... Like, that That to me is a worse decision for myself and my well-being than having sex with someone that I don't know. If the sex that I'm having with someone I don't know is not harming me, it's a choice that I'm making, I'm having a good time with it, it's going to be great, we had a blast you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, maybe not that I don't know, but let's say a friend of benefits, right? Like, how is that damaging to me? Why? Because society said that men should commit and that you shouldn't have sex with them unless they commit to you? Or because I am allowed to make my decisions and my sexuality and my choices and my self-worth are not going to be dictated by these standards and by this I, this notion that like of what's expected of a woman if I'm having a good time and I'm living my life and these are the relationships I want to have that's no different than having other friendships where there's no sex involved right equally to me it's a lot more damaging like I find it's a lot more damaging for me to be in a relationship where someone's abusive to me or hurtful to me that's a problem that to me is an issue when I choose to have sex with someone or how often or who this person is to me, not only is it none of anyone else's concern, but if it's not damaging to me and it's actually fun and I'm actually benefiting from it, hence friends with benefits, then that to me is not a problem. And I know what I'm doing and why, because these are the conversations I have with myself because I check in with myself and I, I have, and I make choices that I make in my life. That's fine. I'm not, I don't think that there's anything to say beyond that, but I'm going to stay in a toxic relationship. Why? I don't have to. And another comparison, and I feel like I've opened up like a massive can of worms and I love it because I want to talk more about this in another episode. Um, But one more thing I'm going to say before I leave you is I was having a talk with a family member recently and they said to me, well, they're family, you love them. And I was like, really? Why? Well, you know, it's family. Like, of course you love them. Like, you don't wish anything bad upon them. And I'm like, "Mm, but that's not love, though. I don't wish anything bad upon anybody. Yeah, but you love them. I'm like, no, I I, I don't. I don't talk to them. I don't know who these people are anymore. Like, what do you mean I love them? Like, to me, love is a conscious choice I make and something that I feel for someone where there's like a relationship and there's respect and there's actual love and an actual relationship. And, you know, it's, it's nice and kind and loving and pleasant. That to me is a loving relationship. You don't have to love your family just because they're your family. And it doesn't mean you hate them, but you don't have to love them. Like, when did that become a thing? 
And I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I always thought that as well. Well, they're my family. Of course I love them. It's like, but what does that even mean? Does that not really, t- does that not take away from the love a little bit when you say that? Because I don't wish anything bad upon anyone. But it doesn't mean I love everyone. I mean, to an extent, sure. Like, I feel love for people. I feel compassion for people. I'm always kind to people. I do practice loving kindness, sure. But, like, do I love this person in the way that they're saying? No. No. And people who've been mean to me and that I don't have relationships with anymore, would I say I love them? Like, as in human to human, do I not want anything bad to happen to you? And do I see you as a human? Do I see you for who you are? And do I, like, do I feel love on that level? Sure. But it's certainly not because we're family. Like, on that level, on in terms of our reality and our relationship, there's no love in either direction between the two of us. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah? And to me, and then, and then the person I was talking to was like, yeah, but, you know, it's family, so, you know, we, we, you know, we put up with certain things that we shouldn't have to or that we wouldn't normally because they're family. You know, you love them. And I'm like, okay, but those are two completely separate things. Like, putting up with things with family members because you have to or because it's just the way the situation is because you don't pick your family, blah, 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 is very different than me saying I love someone. You know? It's very different. And also, I struggle with that whole, well, family is everything and we do everything for family and... We put up with certain things that we shouldn't, that we wouldn't normally because it's family. Um, no, like I pick my battles in general, whether people are family or not, because I focus on the bigger picture. And if it's not really, if it's inconsequential, then I'm just not going to make a to-do about it. But it's not because they're family. I, I <laughs> if I don't want a certain relationship, I'm not going to have it, you know, and I'm not going to just put up with something because. And again, the point I'm trying to make here is this idea of how we have to be so prudish with sex, but then we're allowed to just let people walk all over us in the rest of our lives. And that's not disrespectful. Like that's not, and that it's respectable to be like that. It's respectable to be a doormat, but it's not respectable to have standards and to make your choices and to be confident in your sexual activity. It's like, really? It's it's such a twisted thing. And, 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 although people are like well no it's different now like girls can do whatever they want it's it's still not really believed though there's still this weird shame sometimes that sorry not sometimes but often with girls talking about their partners that they've had or the things that they you know they're they're shy to talk about it and and then so many girls even say like well I have well like now we're married so I don't have to have sex as much like at the beginning I was kind of just doing it because you know that's what you do when you start dating and it's like but your sex should be so much more than that. Like your intimate relationship with this person should be so much more than that. It should be something that you share together. Like I said earlier on in the show, there should be three cups, yours, your partner's, and your relationship's cup. Same thing with the sexuality and the intimacy. You have your own intimacy. Your partner has their intimacy. And together you share intimacy. It's part of sharing a life, right? That's that's what I was saying before. It's sharing a life. And you share it in whatever way you want. And so that's fine. But make it a conscious choice of how you're sharing your life with this person and like where and how intimacy plays into your partnership. Yeah? And those are choices that you make. And again, it's about mindfulness in our interactions mindfulness in our relationships mindfulness in all those things but don't see it as sex and as what sex is supposed to be and what it means and what it as soon as it becomes that which unfortunately it has because of society but if you break it back down to like the primal level and tap into even your own sexuality you'll see how it's not something that happens to us or that we have to fulfill or it's not a task. Yeah, it's part of us. And I think if we shift our view of sexuality or if we shift our perception, well, that's already a step in the right direction and a step in a healthier direction. And then you'll see where it plays into your life. And, and that's another story, but at least to be aware and be mindful of our intimate aspects uh, you know and again be they intimate on the mat when you're meditating and you're alone in stillness with your mind with your thoughts and your emotions or whether 
it's when you're being intimate with yourself or, you know, masturbating or whatever it might be from those moments to then saying with your partner, like, well, when we, sh- we share a life as, as partners and, and where will this play a role and how and et cetera, et cetera. And not so much a means to an end. So on that note, <laughs> on that note, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that and I wanted to talk about, again, yes, how linked our movements are and our different aspects, yeah, so mentally, emotionally and physically and then bringing that into a very intimate level and how we're intimate with ourselves in our minds and our emotions and sometimes it's difficult for us to be in stillness and to be intimate with ourselves mentally and emotionally well, it's even more difficult for us to do it sometimes physically, right? Like sexually. Um, but how much it can tell us about ourselves. When we take the time to be intimate, when we take the time to to express ourselves sexually, yeah? Without judgment, without fear, without anxiety, without shame. It tells us a lot about ourselves and it can it can really make our personal relationships with ourselves healthier yeah um because it's a really important aspect however way you decide to incorporate it into your life and however you decide to carry out any realizations you have there should be a relationship there there should be um some considerations there and um and yeah a a tapping into of sorts so (laughs) so there you go so that's that um yeah so that was it for today guys I hope that this was helpful I hope that this was interesting and it was a nice change of gears um I thought it was really fun to talk about and to explore so yeah there will be more of this there will be more of this um but that's it for me today I hope that that was fun I hope you didn't get too embarrassed or too weird about that but if you did then great good tap into that sit with that feel that what does it feel like what does it what does it make you feel sit with it think about it and uh, if you have any questions let me know before I go guys I wanted to say one thing if you do like the show and you want to support the show I ask that you please leave me a five-star review or five-star rating it really does help the show it means so so much to me obviously but it actually really helps support the show so if you do love the show and you really enjoy these episodes um and this one you know because it's quite different then please just take two seconds on the apple podcast app and just give me a nice little five star rating there and let me know when you do maybe take a screenshot because they don't always show up on itunes so maybe just take a screenshot and give me um send me a dm and i'll see it and i can thank you personally it would mean a lot to me so thank you very much and until next time namaste